Hello and welcome to episode 43 of the Flames Fancast. I know it's been a while since our last recording, but, uh, well... We needed to get over it. Going out in five was tough. You needed to get over it as listeners. We needed to get over it as podcast makers. <sighs> Still, like, it was really, really, I mean, just disappointing to go out like that in such a fashion without so much as a whimper. Um, we were completely annihilated and you know what i did not see that coming and i had not any kind of preparation for that whatsoever and it was like getting hit with the broadside of a barn door for lack of a better term getting slapped with a wet fish tactically outclassed out outworked classed in every area outworked crease yeah outworked overwhelmed outskilled the big players showed up Ours didn't. We'll get except, into that. Except Mike Smith. But. Well, anyhow, there's the reason for the delay. We're here now. We're going to try and break it down for you. Look at the positive, the negatives. I was See. on the toilet crying for two weeks. I didn't want anyone to hear me Occasionally, cry. Occasionally, he moved to the bathtub. Yeah. So I would brew my coffee in the toilet, <laughs> sit on the toilet, and cry some more, because only that would, would get me through this hardship. The fuck happened? Jenk, but what was the what was the it. biggest positive for you about the playoffs? Probably the fact that we made it into the playoffs being first in the West uh and seeing seeing Mike Smith play as well as we've all hoped that he would play when we first got him. It was really really nice to see him come back because he went through a lot of shit this year from all fans, all media. I mean, all of us are guilty. Anyone out there that says, I was always in his back. I always did that. Shut the fuck up. It, there is no way every fan, every fan was on this guy. So good for him. Um, and also it was good to see, at least for a short bit, the city of Calgary get a little bit more lively. Yeah. You know, and the fans were good. The fans were actually really loud and chanting the right guy's names and, that, that was my point. You stole it. <sighs> I was going to say the biggest highlight of the playoffs was the fans. The Smitty chants. Yeah. The loudness of the Dome. Being fully behind a team. Dome was rocking for sure. And then just like the kind of... How we were repaid was the most frustrating. <laughs> but I mean, Mike Smith, he turned up. And he turned up in a big way. It's just that, you know, the five guys in front of him on any given shift let him down. And I, I, don't, I don't mind if we go out in seven games, like, fighting tooth and nail. Um, but we just, we didn't even do that. There was a feeling after game three that we weren't going to win another game. It was palpable. It was, it was uh, in the air. You, you just felt like we had no hope of winning the game against these guys. And when Colorado said they felt like they dominated every period against us so far, they were right. They dominated every period. And every statistic. And every game. Everything. Actually, I was just looking it up. We actually dominated the face-off circle. We were in the high 60s for most of our percentages, or the mid-60s. Which actually would help if our players would step up after that fact, once we get the puck <sighs> and do something about it. I mean, yeah, you have the puck. One thing I noticed, and I know we're segueing a bit from the positives here, was that all of a sudden we really started to cycle the puck. And that seemed to go against how we played most of the season. I hadn't really seen us cycle the puck that much, that consistently, that aggressively 
before until the playoffs. And we were just moving it around the outside of the boards in the offensive zone, really to no avail. Colorado just shut us down by either closing us off or collapsing to the front of the net, and we had no answer for that. We had no we had no real attacking impetus in the zone. We had no penetration, nothing going forward. Like no player like McKinnon who skates at you, who takes a run at you, and you're 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 scared, right? How are you going to stop this guy? His speed, his strength, and you know our talisman Johnny. He just he did not. He was he was playing scared. You know he was afraid of his own shadow in times out there. Yeah, and it, as another warning shot, it's a great point. When we start cycling the puck the way we did, it's not to say that we never cycled the puck this season. We did. We just didn't do it in the way that we did in this in this series. Exactly. Like, it's like the way we cycled it this time, you need guys that are strong on the boards to be able to cycle the way we do, or we tried anyway. And it's like the second we start deviating from our natural game plan that has worked all season, and yes, the season's different than the playoffs, but the second you start deviating into waters that you just have no clue on how to play with or your players aren't prepared for, that alone is also another warning sign of, it's like, what, what are we doing? We're out of ideas. Um, you know, me personally, after game one, I had this weird feeling of, I don't know if we're going to be able to pull this off because we got real lucky in that game. Yeah, You know, absolutely. if it wasn't for Smith standing the on his head. The line was flattering, right? Completely. And if it wasn't for Smith, I really don't think we were going to win that game. He was so good. Well, we just completely, we completely abandoned the play and the philosophy that got us to the Western Conference Championship. Not the championship in the playoffs, but got us first in the West, if you will. We completely abandoned that, that style of play, that mentality, that attitude, and that, those tactics, that strategy. It was gone. That, I did not recognize that Flames team out there. Only because they were getting outworked, though. Right, because like it, you can still do that style, but, but uh, you, you get outworked. Okay, explain to me how, as a professional athlete, you're comprehensively outworked five games out of five by another team. I can't explain it. I can't because how, it just how wasn't. Is, how is Johnny Goudreau, you know, completely bamboozled out there? I I think it's just our the chemical makeup of this team is not fit for the playoffs. It's <laughs> a damning indictment. It is though, you know it and I know it, right? Like <laughs> you know it. I know it. Everybody we all knows. we all know it. We we are not built for playoffs yet. So it's not to say to blow up the team, but I'm just saying that like the reason why Johnny was ineffective is because he is not getting the calls or he's not getting the space he normally gets during the season, right? In the playoffs, the rest it's no secret. The refs are a lot more lenient, right? All of a sudden, those goons that I've been talking about for fucking over a year are now worth a lot more money on the ice during the playoffs because they get away with all the stuff that they, they do, right? Johnny got hacked how many times on the hands? Like, the average time that he gets hacked on his hands during the season is maybe one or two a game. I think that was, like, quadrupled in the playoffs. And he didn't get one call for it. And guess what? He's not going to get it. And the refs, when you sit there and bitch at the referee about that, he's not going to make that call any more often after that fact. Like, if anything, he's like, well, fuck you, right? Why don't you fucking play the game? Stop yelling at me. Well, I mean, there were some calls where he had that, that breakaway, essentially, when he was two-handed, tomahawk slash. Totally. There should have been calls, but I get what you're saying about complaining well, to the Well, it refs, just happens less asking often. Asking for the call, right? Yeah, it just happens less you, often. You've got that hockey mentality. Johnny's not getting that call. He should know that by now. He should definitely know that. But back to the positives, because we'll get to Goudreau in a second, but... Mm-hmm. Our, our highest playoff uh, point getter was Sam Bennett. He had five. I'm not surprised. And he had a pretty good series, generally speaking. Um, 
other than him and Smith, I don't really see many positives. I mean, Bennett really didn't stand out, but I mean, a point per game in the playoffs on the third line, I'm taking it. Like, that's just, he had the grit and determination and the hustle that none of us, none of the other players really had. And it's no, like, I, I was telling you this a while ago, but it's really no coincidence that the second Bennett goes on that first line, Johnny had two breakaways, Johnny had space, and Johnny was moving his legs a little bit more. I think, like, you just got to have guys that are built for playoffs just like Bennett. Bennett, he completely transforms his game. We said on this podcast, we said that he was going to be a beast for us. He's always a beast in the playoffs. You need guys like that. So anyone that wanted to kind of trade him during the season because he was kind of, you know, underperforming or whatever, and whatever that fucking means too. It's like, what, what do you expect out of this kid? But every dollar that we pay him was worth it in the playoffs. And then you have guys that are talking about, oh, we got James Newell for the playoffs. Well, you should fucking quit your job if you're a, if you're a pundit saying that shit because you're wrong. That's it, it was conclusively wrong. Like healthy <coughs> scratch game five. Yeah. Like what? Like every blogger, every Calgary Flames fan blogger out there called it. They were like, this guy, forget about the playoffs. He can't even. The, there is no signs of this guy stepping up the play yeah we're going to negative sorry um i'm an idiot but it's just like you know there like, are so many negatives there are too many ne- why don't we just go into it because the only, fuck, the we only already point got through. i wanted to talk about really was valimaki so valimaki and anderson and i want to give geo a little bit little bit of like credit like those three i thought did pretty well valimaki good. he looks like the real deal and i remember watching one game one of the uh, commentators was saying you know it looks like he's the guy who's going to step into Gio's role when Gio yeah. uh, retires, which, uh, boy, if this guy can become the new Gio, I, I like it. But I really like it. what I've seen, you know, the confidence he's brought, the ability to bounce back from that injury and then immediately step into a playoff game and not look one foot out of shape. He, he was on the pace the whole time, and he did not look out of place at all. Much like that guy from Colorado that they brought in from – McCarr? Yeah, he's a good player. Like, McCarr's really good. He was, he's a good player, so we've got one of our own in Valimaki. And Hometown we'll boy. We'll get to that D in a sec, but, uh, but the D, But the D, the D wasn't that bad. Like, Hamannick had a lot of blocked <laughs> shots. That was a positive. Like, the D wasn't that bad. Why do I take notes on this podcast? You shouldn't. I say, we'll get to the D in a sec. Yeah, anyway. Let's do, let's do the negatives. Yeah, but the, but the D points I have are positive. I know, but I want to have a whole section you know, on the D. Fuck your structure. <laughs> like, let's just fucking okay. Fine, let's go to the po- the, the negative. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. Let's... I I said what I need to say. Well, I'll say it later more. Positives. We done. We're done. The positives. Sorry, negatives. <laughs> <laughs> I had a plan. It's gone to hell. <laughs> just fucking talk about it. Do it. Well, Do yeah. It. There's the James Neal conundrum. Healthy scratch. For game five, uh, zero points in the playoffs. Too little, too late. No real tangible improvement. What do you do with him? You, um, you too, have no choice. Too soon to give up, hey? Well, you could try putting him on waivers and hope to Christ somebody picks him up, but nobody will. No, no. And I mean, you what? could try. I but mean, you're still stuck with his salary. You can't move him down even after waivers with his contract, right? Or can you? Like, we still have to pay him. I have no idea. Right? He, has a, he does not have a no trade or no movement clause. Okay, so he's stuck with us. No, he, he, well, we can trade him anywhere if there's an acceptable suitor. Yeah, I know, but that's, that's not happening. I know that, but 
Like any GM with half an eye. So I guess you can't give up on him. You've got to hope he turns good. Even an Oilers GM won't take him now. Like it's Ken Holland. Yeah, good luck. I (laughs) I don't think that's gonna work. But um, yeah, we're stuck with Neil. Um, he probably had the most remorseful post playoff interview out of all of them because he's a veteran and he knows what to say. Agreed. Whereas if you compare that with Johnny Goudreau's, the same game I've been playing all my life, well, what the hell happened, Johnny? Yeah, like, like th- there's, this interview was not interview whatsoever was no reassuring. At or, what point do you take responsibility when you're not just Johnny Goudreau, but any player on the Flames? You just got outwork, you just got completely dominated. Everybody should be taking some sort of lesson about their game. Even like, even if like Sam Bennett, who was the best player, even he should be saying, like, well, we need to do ABC better, and I need to personally be better here, right? Well, I don't think Johnny Goudreau really takes any accountability for it. Well, he should. I if agree he doesn't, 100%. If, if he doesn't, then he should. But, maybe, you know, we don't know. We don't really know what he's thinking, right? Like, what if he is like, fuck, I got to be better next What do you think he's season? doing right now? Playing video games, eating Chipotle. Right, sure. But, I mean, he's not doing it in Calgary. He's gone. And yeah, there was I mean, there was one point the one of who the who wants to stay here. One you of the panelists the needs to say, but one of the panelists said, "You need to stay there, and you need to feel the hurt of what's happened here because you need to go to the grocery store and to the dry cleaner and to the restaurants and feel that the people look at you with like that disgust almost." But do you think any player does that? No, but they should. I bet you Mike Smith might, Bennett might. You know, you need to feel what we're feeling right now. That anguish and that disappointment and that extreme sense of being let down because this was a huge letdown i just don't think there's any players that do that i think only maybe a geo does that on this team i don't think we. but i mean what are you gonna do go on holiday and escape the fact that you were knocked out in the first round in five i mean do you really expect that out of him i'm expecting them to do some kind of serious soul searching and figure out what the hell went wrong yeah I mean, I, I, you, if you're, getting, professionals, paid, if you're getting paid millions of dollars a year, this kind of performance is unacceptable, especially finishing first in the West. This uh, is yeah. completely unacceptable. Uh, and uh, someone needs to tell them that, like how grossly unacceptable this was. It's great that, yeah, it sucks. We're out in five. Season's over. We're golfing now. No, this was not okay. Like heads should roll because of this. Do you think that it should be... Some sort of massive blow up right now, like no, but I mean something. A message needs to be sent. Yeah, like this performance will not be repeated. I will not have a, a repeat of the playoffs of 2019 because it was an embarrassment. <laughs> well, I'm kind of in the so <coughs> I, I I'm not like I agree with you that you know every professional athlete should take responsibility and kind well in whatever in whatever way they do it like and bill and, peters i think shoulders a lot of that responsibility well in your case you're saying that the players should be sticking around for a couple more months like that kind was of just something i heard on sportsnet right okay and that's feel feel the pain and that's a way, fair. A way to learn and that's I, fair. I agreed with the sentiment that was said that sure but and their point being is feel this however way you need to do it you need to actually take responsibility of what right. the fuck just happened because instead of just saying oh we lost there's always next year load up Fortnite and get my skip the dishes on the hurry yeah you know that's not that's not a way to deal with this right like there needs to be some kind of repercussions or punishment you know unplug yeah. the video games and suffer from this because this was awful yeah like what kind of um, message does it send 
when you just take off like that, right? You're, you're, you're fleeing the obvious and you're fleeing the difficult. But I know, what do we, what do we know, right? I know, like, but like, it's I, not like we can, we have a second home anywhere else that we can go to for another four months now, but right? That's the thing. Like, I, I don't know what, what goes through a professional athlete's mind. I mean, we can all have a guess and make an assumption, but the, the moral of the story is, you got fucking worked and you should be embarrassed about it. And I don't care how much money you make in this world. Like money shouldn't be a factor at this point, especially if you are one of the star players of an NHL professional team. Um, like you shouldn't care about what you get paid because you're fine. You're set for life. But you know, the only thing left in your life right now, aside from your personal goals is to make sure that you are a professional player. You do learn from your mistakes and you do become better and better every season. Like that, that's, that's kind of what I would do. Um, you know, at least James Neal is talking right now, doing the talk. Is he going to walk the walk? We'll find out next season. I have very, very little hope for him. I hope he proves me wrong. I mean, I, I think he he's going to try. Wrong. For sure he'll try. And, but I just he's don't know gone, if he can. Yeah, but he's gone to a point that even him trying on the ice, like skating a little harder and stuff is not enough for me. Because, you know, like it's just like we, we keep going back to this. It's like, if you work at a company and they're paying you like 250 grand a year, they expect some sort of performance out of you, right? Because there's a hundred thousand people behind you waiting to get that job to be paid, maybe even a fraction of that. And they will put whatever it takes, do whatever it takes to put that performance in. Well, it's kind of no different here. You know, we're paying you five something million, right? And you skating a little hard, harder than normal is not enough. You have to put the points in. But I, you have I to mean, do something better for us. And uh, if you don't do it, then you deserve to be criticized. You deserve to be scratched. You shouldn't be even on the lineup right now. If your name wasn't James Neal, you wouldn't have been in the lineup for about 75% of the season. I just don't think he can do it anymore. And I mean, you've got, you've got that contract. You're really hamstrung in the fact that you have to play him. You have to hope that he can. But... I just think the NHL is so much tougher, it's harder, it's faster, it's stronger. He just can't keep up. Yeah, but that, there, there are so many players his age, his experience, that adjust their game to be, still be effective on the ice. And from what I've and seen from this that. season, he can't. Well, what do you mean he can't? Like, what is he like trying? Like, he physically can't do it. He can't keep up anymore. He is so slow. Yeah, he is slow. not physically capable of competing at an NHL level anymore. And I think that's just our fault for scouting that and signing him to this long-term deal and thinking this would answer all our problems. Because I get it. There was a ton of pressure to find that right-wing guy. And everyone th was excited when James Neal came in. Nobody thought it was... Well, no, nobody I, thought it'd be this bad. Nobody thought it would be this bad. There were, sure, a few detractors out there thinking this might be a bit sketch and a bit, you know, lacks a bit of foresight. But... At the same time, no one thought Lindholm would have the kind of season that he did too, which, by the way, I don't think he'll be able to replicate. But James depends, Neal... Depends. I just don't think he... I think he's on the decline now. I don't think he can recapture any of that form. Like the, We're not going to get a swan song like Geo had, and it just... I don't know. I mean, I hope I'm wrong. I mean, but this, there's this just is... no evidence that shows me that James Neal... He had a chance at redemption in the playoffs, right? Totally. And, and he, he was, was given... just outclassed in four games, so much so that we had to like mercy him out and healthy yeah. scratch him and put in someone that could make the team win. Was, and you're yeah, being, you're being usurped by Austin Zarnick. 
Like, that's the level of James Neal right now. He's being outclassed by Austin Zarnick. And that's just the fact of the matter. A guy like James Neal should not be a healthy scratch in the playoffs, but there you go. Just can't keep with it. And he should have been a healthy scratch by after game but, two. But to his credit, I mean, his response to the media, his taking accountability, his desire to improve. I left that interview feeling way more confident than I did Johnny's. Johnny's left a real sour taste in my mouth. I'll tell you that. And it was just uh, for exit interviews. It was it was. It was lacking in any kind of understanding of the situation that necessitated a response from him. And I, I was disappointed in that. I want to ask you, do you think the fact that Tampa, Washington, and was it Winnipeg, the other division winner, the fact that they all lost, does this make our loss like more understandable, more acceptable? No, no, not at all. Like this is, if anything, it's Tampa's a, was worse. That's if anything, sure. it's a missed opportunity, right? <laughs> I would be more upset if I was a Tampa fan, but for me, it was just hilarious. It doesn't, to watch it doesn't, it doesn't soften the blow. If that's what you're asking me, like for me, like again, now I'm looking at the playoff tree, going like, well, fuck, like look at the teams we could have played if we just got through this first round. <laughs> but we couldn't have got through them. Well, assuming that we actually played how we thought we should have played, um, because. You know, we're guilty of this too. You know, when we got drawn with Colorado, we were all kind of, you know, we were all arrogant. Yeah, we were arrogant. And everybody was arrogant. Every single fan I talked to was, and I talked to a lot of fans, and I'm on the Calgary Puck forums and all that shit, but everybody was arrogant. Like, there was a handful of people that were saying, like, this and that. And one of my good buddies said, you know, the only thing that we need to worry about is really just, you know, McKinnon's line. And, uh, well, they're, lo and behold, they were double shifted and they fucking killed us. Like they, they Surprise. look, it was like, it was like watching an NHL team play like a midget team. Like it just, they were fucking that dominant over us. It's unbelievable. Well, McKinnon is, he's McKinnon unstoppable. Is, McKinnon is elite. Elite. Like, like that, what, watching that him in those playoffs, like we, we do not have a player that comes no, close to we that. We don't. We do not have a player that anywhere close to that kind of level. But on the flip side, there aren't many players like him that can do that. Like he is the full package. But basically, um, that one guy completely dominated our entire team. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. There's rare, there and aren't our, many our players like that. Our decor could not figure out a way to handle him. No. There, there was just no way. But, you know, credit to him. Like, amazing series for him. And he deserves hopefully they every, can do it over San Jose. He deserves Jose every plot at his way. Like, yeah. he was so good. Um, as, as for the rest of the playoffs, it's kind of, I don't know. Like, I like a good underdog story just like the next person, but... I think now you 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 face a situation where it's just like basically all underdogs, and you you don't have that David Goliath thing going on. You just got a bunch of Davids duking it out, and I, like it's still exciting to watch the playoffs. Like I, I'm not complaining. This is the most unpredictable sport in the world, and here you have it. Another reason why it is one of the best sports in the world. Just there is no real way you can predict a winner. Um, everybody, Tampa Bay slam dunk. Yeah, they got swept. You know, like it just, this sport is amazing. But now there's no like, I don't know how to put this. There's really no, um, I'm working under the guise of like whoever works harder now wins and that's all good. But there's that extra excitement when you see, yeah, well, you see that extra excitement when you see a, a team knock out Tampa or you see a team knock out, you know, God forbid the Flames, right? All these number one teams 
getting knocked out, it's fun for the neutral fan. But well, now you got like, it's like Columbus. And- aside from that though, right? You had these teams coming in, scratching a playoff berth on the last or second last day and coming in with momentum. You know, they had their, they had their shitty patch of the season earlier on. And they played hard through, through March and April and they earned their playoff spot. Whereas the Flames had no real competitive games the last 10 or 5 fixtures of the year. And they didn't even take it seriously. Yeah, we did not take it seriously. And then we we showed up to the playoffs thinking it would be a bit of a cakewalk. And we won the first game 4-0, riding Mike Smith's coattails. And then all the wheels came off the wagon. But, I mean, there's a lot of factors that play into it. And the fact that I think you just need to start to look to build a team and get into the playoffs in the right way. Yeah. But the momentum, you know, the momentum killed us. Colorado had the momentum and they didn't let it up. And we just, no. we succumbed to that pressure. And basically. like, are you watching the playoffs consistently? Yeah. Yeah. Well, not every game, but I, I, I'm a little frustrated because the Flames are out. But there are some good games for sure. For and sure. And it's exciting. It is and exciting. The level, the caliber this year between regular season and playoff hockey is just out of this world. Like, playoff hockey is something else. So I expect apologies from every single listener that laughed at me when I said we need more goons on this team and more guys with size and hands because guess what? That would have changed. That would have changed everything for us. And every team that has been moving forward have the guys with size with hands and have guys with size, basically. Like, you can't... These guys... All these guys with size who have like ambitions to win games, these guys are worth their weight in gold, especially in the playoffs. Because they can get away with the shit that they don't they they do in the regular season but get penalized for it. Like I said, in the playoffs, because the referees make less calls, these guys their stocks go way up. Because they they can intimidate the shit out of these other players and they give space to your stars. If Johnny had more space, might have been a way more effective player this season or in the playoffs. No one can argue with me on that. And I expect apologies. I expect emails <laughs> to our account. Flamesfancast at gmail.com. I expect those fucking apologies. All, all right, those all people. right, all right. Steady, steady on. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I love our fans. I love the people that listen to us. But I'm just saying. You know, you guys gawked at me for this shit. And look at it. Look. Fucking Nostradamus over here. <laughs> I fucking know what I'm talking about. I think we're, I think we're gonna move Something on. Wrong with my throat. Move on from the negative section here. Um, was the season a total loss? No, not at all. You? What do you think? It's hard not to take those five games in the playoffs as complete and abject failure. Put those away. What did you think? Then yeah, it was the best season we've had in a long time. There you go. And now but think I about, the, now think the, about the playoffs. Yeah, but I'm giving you a preamble to kind of giving an overall outlook of things. I'd say it was a 60% to 65% disappointment. Really? 35% so the- of that regular season. But it's not about finishing the Western Conference first. That's well and good, and I'm really happy we did that. But we did not translate that winning formula into anything in the playoffs. So what, what and do you- that still stings. So what do you what do you uh, foresee here? Like, I mean, you're you're disappointed, mostly disappointed. We all are, but w- where do you take it from here? Like, what what's gonna happen in the eyes of Tyler? What what do the Flames do here? I think somehow we find trading partners for some of our defensemen because we've got to get these young guys into the lineup. 
uh, Valimaki and Anderson, even Shillington, they, they should be permanent fixtures. And, you know, to me, Hannafin kind of had a take-it-or-leave-it season. So ho-hum, average 50%. We need him to step up. Um, looks like Hamannick's the guy that we're going to prefer. I, I love Dalton Prout as the seventh guy, to be honest. Don't mind him there. But that's, that leaves, you know, and Fantenberg, I don't mind him either. But Brody, I think it's time. Um, like, and Stone. These guys have got to be moved on somehow. And everyone's going to look at us and know we've got so many defensemen that we're trying to move them out. We're going to get awful prices for these guys. We're getting nothing back. Yeah, we got way too much supply of quality yeah, back like, there. And everyone knows, and we're not going to get done a favor. But, I mean, look at Edmonton. They could use a guy like Brody. They could use a guy like Stone. What could we get for them? I don't know. But, you know, is it possible to package something? I mean, is, do you think you could package like a Backland and a Brody and a Stone for a Nugent Hopkins? I don't know. I mean, if do you if think you, Holland would go for yeah, that? Yeah, but if, you, if you're the Oilers, are you doing that? If you're you the Oilers GM? And you're being offered Brody. I don't think you'd turn up your nose at Brody. I think you're turning up your nose at Brody when you have Nugent Hopkins in, in the conversation. But I mean, you're ah. I know you're. I know you're coupling Backlund, but you're coupling Backlund because you're okay with get, getting rid of him because he he had a whole hum season too, right? But I mean, I'm he trying. He was better to, at the last end of the season. Okay, but what if what if we what if we even offer Monahan? See now, see, but this, see, this is where people were laughing at me. It's like, like I'm I'm all for like looking at creative ways to do things, and I'm not I'm not suggesting we blow up the team. Are you? Well, I heard there was a rift between Mani and Gudra, which, yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong, they stopped doing that Gatorade thing, man. Yeah, I, I guess. And I think there's something to that. You don't just abruptly quit that. I don't know. It didn't get old. Like, they on. loved it. Monahan was looking like, hey, where's my Gatorade? And then something happened. And then the wheels kind of came off. And, you know, they didn't seem too enthused to be around each other. And you know what? I'm not sure both these players are what we think they are, but Monaghan just, I know he's injured, crack finger and all, but he left me very uninspired for a long chunks of the season. And, you know, I think, I think with a better player, Goudreau flourishes, to be honest. At, at what point do we kind of put these excuses to the point where we're like, you know what, I just like, why is there always a fucking excuse for you not performing here well this is this is what his third playoff now yeah who Monty or johnny monahan is it his third can't remember now it's at least two um yeah pretty sure it's his third um i just don't know if his body holds up that long i just he always seems to be injured at the end of the season like four surgeries last year i think the organization just needs to be honest with themselves about the health situation with this guy it's are these injuries well, Bill long-term? Peters came out and said we were as healthy as could be aside from Monaghan. So. Yeah, I know. And like Monaghan then was flirting with the idea of going to play for Canada, but I'm glad he didn't do that. I don't think he did it. Um, but like at what point as an organization do you say like, look, like this guy's had these, this, this surgery, this surgery, this surgery, and surgery number four is the one that worries me the most because this can reoccur at any point. And yes, any re- injury can reoccur, guys. Like, I mean, I'm not an idiot, but I'm talking about like, you know, hip surgeries and shit, like stuff like that can easily come back. Like, okay, you break your arm, that's probably not going to break again. Okay, not, I mean, 
really has to be one aggressive play. But things like your hip or like your wrist or or like your back, like these things and your ACL, like these things are not better after. These things are severely compromised after they're done. After they're uh, you know yeah, surgically I'm, I'm aware. fixed yeah like you you of all people know you've had two surgeries or whatever um so at one point do we really ask ourselves the question yes monahan is our one of our stars like this is that has nothing to do with this conversation it's how do you maximize this team's potential based on what the uh, based on what we have so is monahan a guy that we can rely on in the next 5 years if we continually make the playoffs uh, based on what he has, what afflictions he has. And if the answer is no, then you better deal him earlier than later because this is the time he has value. Because he won't have value if this stuff keeps reoccurring over and over and over again. Right? At that point, if you're trying to trade him to like fucking Phoenix or wherever you're trading him to, they're going to be like, well, this guy's had like two hip replacement surgeries, right? Or some shit like that. I'm exaggerating, but you know what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Right? And they're not going to give up anything, and then wow. you're stuck. And then you're stuck with a player uh, who physically can't keep up, and we're already going through that. I mean, Treliving's got his work cut out for him, right? Yeah, and again, There's work to be done to offload these defensemen because these defensemen need to be shipped out. And again, we people again. Uh, it's like I'm on a personal vendetta here, but like, and I'm not. But everybody fucking laughed at me when I said. We might, we might need to look at trading Monaghan, not because I don't think he's good, but because I think in the long term, the team may benefit from a good trade out of him, right? And this is exactly why. Like, I saw this coming. Like, there, there's something unhealthy about this guy that just keeps coming back up. And he was useless in the playoffs. Did you see one play where you were like, fuck, there we go. There's the guy that we're used to from the season. No. Like, his goal was flukish. Well, and how many points did he have? Two. Two? Fuck. Johnny had one. Like, jo- like okay. One like, you know, and, you know, at the very least, like, there was glimpses where Johnny was actually like, okay, like, I got to fucking step up here. There were glimpses. But I just didn't see anything from Monahan. It's like he was half his speed, half the physicality, wasn't taking enough shots. Like, it just, he was really disappointing me. Like really well, I mean, we're gonna have to shake up something because not blow up, but I think seriously tweak. Yeah, and you can keep you can keep the core of the D with that young core intact, but you need to get rid of, I think, two of those two of those players between Stone, Brody, uh, even Hannafin. And I mean, I don't think they'll consider trading Hamannick, but I mean, we need to make space for these young guys because they yeah. seem that's where the game is going, and shedding that contract space is going to benefit us in the long run. We've got big contracts coming up for Kachuk. Uh, Benick's going to need a new contract. Who knows what he signs? We'll probably need the space and we'll need to move people out. But how we get those people out, I don't know. And you can't move a guy like Bennett. Show, like, look at what he showed us in the playoffs. Right? I, I'd like, I, do, I would be very upset if we move a guy like Bennett. But. Yeah, and you got to keep Kachuk because you know that Kachuk will be that guy too in the playoffs. He just He needs another run the playoffs here like this is his first playoff i'm gonna cut him some slack here uh because he didn't really do anything special either outside he had a lot of, the first of penalty game. minutes 
Yeah, like, and, and those are okay to take from time to time because it does fire your team up a bit, especially depending on what kind of penalty he takes. If it's a cheap one, then fuck. Some were bad, um, that's but for sure. I agree with you. Like, the core of the team is good. Like, we should, be, we should be happy as fans because we actually have a very good core. The team is good, um, and we have some good assets that we can move around and get back assets. So you don't need to make major changes here. Like, I wouldn't consider dealing a Monaghan or or a Brody, or whoever, as a big like dressing room shaker. It's not. It's, it's tweaking at that point, as long as your return is good. Um, I think this team is only a few tweaks away. And I, I, I'm really, I'm really uh, I'm feeling positive about our future. I think, it's, I think future. it's, you know, allow the young guys to play on D, move out two of those defensemen, and a, a few key pieces on forward. Yeah, exactly. And one of those players needs to be into the top top two units agreed and, and and if we can do that somehow yeah and unfortunately you have to do that because that's the only way you get value back right you can't you can't just try to you can't do this like imaginary oh i'm playing nhl 19 and just hope that i can trade neil no it's not like that unfortunately we're stuck with him and uh if you do deal like a monahan or a backland or whoever you gotta we gotta make those tweaks during the draft I think that's that's the time to make those trades because it gives time for the players to mend and 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 get together and. So I'm just I'm just spitballing here, but Louis Erickson came out and says him and the coach in Vancouver, Travis Green, don't get along a hundred percent. Could you see us perhaps? Hey, here's James Neal for your Louis Erickson. Yeah, I'm something maybe, like that. Maybe to try and fresh scenery for both guys see how things go but are you aren't you just sort of shuffling the problem like this is like a shell game now you got yeah. a problematic guy you're and trying something guy. though right you're trying to maybe work out two players who once had sparks of brilliance reinvigorate that somehow yeah i, I mean it's not a bad idea like i'm sure i'm sure Trelving's looking i try at anything that. man if, i try I agree. anything yeah i agree you got to be creative Right? I'd, be, I'd be on the phone to these GMs all the time figuring out what's it going to take, what's it going to well, take. Well, it's, it's kind of like Evander Kane, right? It took him a few moves to really find his feet somewhere. Like, the guy has potential, always had potential. He was a good player in the minors when he got drafted. Then he was on, what was it, Atlanta, and then Winnipeg, obviously same team. Um, and then, you know, now he's in San Jose. And I would say that he's probably playing his best hockey now. Absolutely, I would too. And and you know, Winnipeg had to get rid of him because he was just a disruption um, from his pers- from personality standpoint. That's fine. Like you can kind of look at James Neal's underperforming as the same kind of box here. Like we just got to move you, dude. Like it's for the best for us and best for you because this is just this shit's not working. Well, he for doesn't you. have a say in it, right? He has yeah. a no trade, no. He doesn't have a no trade or a no move. So he, if we make a deal, he's gone. That's it for sure. But I mean, at the same time, like. I don't know. I don't know how the GMs handle this shit, right? Like, do they do they talk to these players when they start? Because at, you want to play a little damage control. Like, if the rumors start coming out that you're gonna try to get or they're gonna try to deal you, do you soften the blow a little bit and and have that human element as a GM and go, hey, yeah, like I am trying to move you, right? And here's why. Sure, you right? can. You probably will. I mean, the world's so connected now. You, there's no way you can do this in secret. I'm sure Treliving and uh, Neil have had many a conversation on For many sure. a thing, and I think they probably know how to talk to each other right now. But, I mean, I, I think the biggest problem is moving out those D guys because we need sure. to clear space for the young boys and to so play. In your mind, that's the first thing we do. Forget, Absolutely. Forget the forwards. Right. Somehow, mo- make space for Valimaki permanently. 
Anderson, permanently. I think Al Anderson is permanent already, but Shillington, permanently. Am I missing someone? Are you, are you re-signing Mike Smith? There you go. At a lot less money, maybe. Do you make him the number one? Because this is, this is just as important. I think you say Riddick is the guy. I think so, too. I think you have to say, you know what, Riddick, you're our guy. Mike Smith is backing you and up. And he was injured. That, that came out, by the way. Riddick okay. was injured. So my, yeah. I, I'd, I, if he'd say, hey, Mike Smith, you want to come and you want to back up Riddick? He says, yeah, give me a million and a half. Okay, done. Yeah. That's ideal. I'll take if that. If it does happen. I'll take that. One-year deal, million and a half or whatever. I mean, if not, is it Gillies? How's Parsons doing? We have a guy called Mason McDonald. You know, one of these guys has to be the next Bennington or Murray. Like, we need that to happen. Yeah. Because, you know, Bennington, he came in and he usurped Jake Allen. Yep. Jake Allen was the guy who was supposed to be good but could just never cut it. Bennington, bam. And just as important, they kept him in. He, he proved it and they just I, kept playing I think playing you make him, right? Riddick the guy. I, you make Riddick the guy and then you say someone is backing you up, but you are, there's no 1A, 1B. You're 1. Yes. You're goalkeeper Agreed. number 1. And we are hoping that you can carry us through a season. Or not, whatever language you say to a goalie to let him know he's number 1. Agreed. You're our guy. Slap his pads. Call it a day. But Yeah. I mean, those biggest issues going into draft day, it's a long ways away for us now. Um, anything else you want to touch on before we, we wrap it up here? Uh, no, I just, I guess maybe from more of a personal standpoint, I really, really enjoyed doing the podcast this season, especially with the season that we had. It was incredibly enjoyable to do it because the season prior, the podcast is a little bit harder to make when the team's not playing well. Um, yeah, it's fun to rant, but at the same time, you kind of, it's bittersweet. You don't want to rant because you want to see an awesome team. But, you know, just wanted to thank everybody that's been listening. We actually, I think we broke a record. Well, we didn't break a record in terms of our listening stats in the last episode. And we feel like it's obviously a bit of a bump because of the playoffs. But we're just happy to see our, our little fan base growing. Um, we're a little niche thing. So thank you. Um, we do want to get a little bit more interaction from you guys. Um, flamesfancast at gmail.com I think and at Twitter we, and, it, and, and just ask Flames us anything you know we've had guys ask us things and, and it's been fine it's, but it's been more comments than asking really um, but ask us questions like you know anything we'll talk about it you know we're, we're you know when you combine our IQs we're about 90 so like we, we know what we're talking about um, sort of so just keep listening. Thank you so much. And, and so much positive comments. We have a lot of followers on Twitter now. To, I mean, what we think is a lot. So um, thank you. Uh, that's what I wanted to say. And thanks for putting up with my fucking rants because I know that I can really fucking go off here. Uh, and Tyler's already shaking his fucking head at me. So I'll stop. <laughs> but thank you so much. And I can't wait to keep doing this. Yeah. Um, really hard act to follow there. But... Uh... This has been episode 43 of the Flames Fancast. We appreciate everything that you guys uh, give to us, mostly your time and your ears. Um, couldn't do it without you, I guess, and you make it a lot of fun. We'll be back in June uh, to talk about the draft, how that goes for the Flames, and then we'll be off for the summer. Might do an odd one here in August or something like that. Especially if it, we make a big move or something yeah. like that, yeah. And we'll pick it up in uh, 
Or if one of our September. fans has like a massive fucking issue, he's like, I really need some advice, and we'll just do one for that or guy. Or if you want to come on air and apologize to Jank. Yeah, you, yeah. <laughs> I'm expecting at least some apology emails fucking laughing at me for saying, trade this guy, blah, or blah, not. blah. You don't actually have to apologize to him. It's okay. Yeah, you do. But you do. yeah, um, flamesfancast at gmail.com or flamesfancast on Twitter. Um, thanks again so much. Flames, we still love you. We don't always need love anybody you. else. Unconditionally, You're we still favorite. love you. But again, uh, thanks so much. Take care. Have a great summer. We'll see you in June. Oh, you'll hear us in June. That's it for now. <laughs> Bye-bye.